Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station, a place to sit back and relax while waiting for your train to board. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. The goal here at the depot is to help you strengthen your own practice of leadership, no matter where you serve. Every episode will give you not only the background theory, but some practical tools that you can use right away. Great Ridge Station is a service of Great Ridge Group, LLC. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 1, Episode 20. Well, let's get it out there. This will not be popular, but here goes. People who hate micromanagement are wrong. Yes, I've heard all the arguments. I've even made some of them. Micromanagement seems to be one of the most hated leadership practices around. So much so that it's even used as an epithet, as in, You, you micromanager! Admittedly, I've seen a lot of bad management, and a lot of times the microversion is right there in the midst of it. So, as I've kind of alluded to in earlier episodes, there are some pitfalls of bad leadership, and in particular, micromanagement. For one thing, there's the inability to delegate, the inability to move your own career forward, the inability to help others to excel, and the inability to innovate. Yes, you know all that, but don't write off micromanagement completely. There's a time and a place where you can't get along without it. And my guess is that no one has ever told you that before. And here I am. The problem with micromanagement isn't with micromanagement. It's with Maslow's hammer. You'll remember, maybe, a couple of episodes back when I mentioned Abraham Maslow and his famous observation, which has come to be called Maslow's Hammer. The original quote is as follows. I suppose it is tempting, if the only tool you have is a hammer, to treat everything as if it were a nail. End quote. One more time. The problem with micromanagement is not micromanagement. The problem is that people tend to use it because they don't have enough other management or leadership tools that they trust. Not only is their only tool a hammer, they can't imagine what it might be like to have other tools besides a hammer. I want you to pay attention to one phrase there. They don't have enough leadership tools that they trust. See, if nothing else, micromanagement is trustworthy. It allows you, as the leader, to focus everyone's attention on all the things that feed the bottom line. And that can be really helpful. But the people you lead will not want a steady diet of it. They will rise up in mutiny, or they will rise up and leave. It'll be up to you to develop some other leadership practices that you can learn to trust. And that's not easy. So, when do we micromanage, and how do we use it for everyone's benefit? Let's see if we can figure this one out. It can be used when people need it. Everyone has encountered the occasional employee who says, Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. They're not in the business of thinking for themselves, and they take the attitude that thinking is what the boss is for. Now, I don't mean this in a bad way at all. Frankly, I can't imagine what it might be like to have a job that I could leave at the end of the day and be done with it. No thinking about it, no ciphering through problems, no planning the next day's to-do list. No, that's not my life or my work. But I will admit there's just a little bit of jealousy. I can't fathom a job that ends at the end of the workday. But there are people that really thrive in that setting. 
and they need a leadership style that is much closer to micromanagement than you would expect, or probably than you would like. Now, another time when people need micromanagement is when they are out of their element. If I'm being asked to do something that I've never done before or that I'm not good at, I need specific directions. Years ago, I got thrown into a situation where I had to do some work to help a company get ready for a trade show. My job was to work with a particular product and make sure that the process for demonstrating the product was sound. I'd never worked with a product before. It was a completely new field to me. And that was exactly why I had been hired. They wanted to hire actors and models to demonstrate the product and wanted to find out if that was a reasonable expectation or if they needed to use their own trained employees. They chose me because I was an idiot. (laughs) Seriously, they chose me because I had no experience with that device. So I worked with two engineering directors and they walked me through the whole process. They told me what to do and when necessary, how to do it, but they were not supposed to do it themselves. They walked me through a lot of steps in the process. That was micromanagement and it was exactly what was necessary. Now I can see that situation coming up in other complicated circumstances and let me assure you there is nothing wrong with that approach. In fact, this leads us to two other areas where micromanagement might be helpful. It can be used in a crisis. I have a couple of caveats here. It can't always be used in a crisis, and it can't be used in every crisis. I'll explain that further in a moment. When a crisis hits, you need to be able to quickly get people moving in the same direction. These days, crises take on a lot of different characteristics. Maybe it's a major technological failure, the actions of others, the volatility of the markets, ethical failures, financial difficulties, uncontrollable circumstances, you know, that kind of thing. So, when a crisis hits, you have to quickly ask yourself one question. Are we prepared for this crisis? With all the time and money that organizations and municipalities are putting into crisis management plans, it's good to remember that those plans can provide a really great framework for action. But the chances that the crisis that arises is the crisis that you plan for is, well, pretty unlikely. So your first step needs to be in asking that question. Are we prepared for this crisis? Or even better, is this the sort of crisis that we have prepared for? If the answer to that question is no, then you as a leader may need to step into the fray. Read the situation, respond to the need, and give people specific, actionable directions. All the better if they fit the person's skills, abilities, and gifts. You have to coordinate the efforts as best you can. Sometimes crises require micromanagement because someone has to move people toward a good outcome. Not everybody can think clearly or act meaningfully when things are falling apart. Leaders need to have that skill. This is the time for you, as a leader, to exercise the kind of fearless, red-shirt leadership that I described in an earlier episode. This is not a time to protect your own backside. This is the time to step up and provide the leadership that people need to get through it. Now, as I said... I have a couple of caveats about this. Micromanagement can't always be used in a crisis, and it can't be used in every crisis. And yes, those are two different things. 
It can't always be used because every crisis is different. The people around you will have varying levels of skill. They may be able to handle it only so far. The other factor to consider is that in a crisis situation, you need all the eyes you can get. Everyone will bring a different perspective, and you need that. Maybe you can read the situation well, but maybe you can't. You may need others to help you to see the whole picture. This is no time for you to be arrogant. Listen to others, value their input, and engage their excellence. At some point, though, you'll need to make the call. And that's what I mean, that micromanagement cannot always be used in a crisis. And now it's corollary. It can't be used in every crisis. Because every crisis is different, and the people involved all respond in different ways, you need to have the discernment to know when to step up and when to step down. You might find yourself taking orders from an emergency room nurse who just knows how to handle a crisis. You might find yourself letting other people lead, people who are better equipped for it. You probably know yourself well enough to know that there are things that you might be tempted to do that could break the whole situation. Again, Maslow's hammer. Sometimes you have to put away your hammer and recognize that other tools, other skills are needed. That can be a challenge, but most of life can be humility training if we let it. Now, for those of you who are not used to thinking of humility as a virtue, humility training is a very good thing. But it's not always a lot of fun. Finally, we get to my favorite use of micromanagement. It can be used as a developmental tool. When people start out in a job, in an industry, or in a new role, they'll probably need some direct, hands-on help to get them moving. For years, I've found a few occasions to ask my students a question that I find to be really compelling. What was your orientation like for your current job? You'd be surprised, or maybe not, to learn that most of the students tell me that it amounts to, here's the bathroom, here's the cafeteria, and oh, this is your desk. Someone from IT will be by to connect you to the network. Have a good career. Okay, I took a few liberties there, but not many. Often the orientation to the job involves something like, here's the information you need, but don't worry, you'll figure it out. Now, during a lull in my consulting work, I took a job with a company and stepped into a role that was vacant because of a retirement. Now, the problem that I faced was that the fellow had actually retired about three years earlier, but had neglected to tell anyone or to leave. He was gone when I started, and there was no way to contact him with questions. I was literally on my own, learning a new job, and trying to figure out a lot of details. And I'll admit, my first year there, I really floundered. Oh, they were happy with my work, mostly because, unlike my predecessor, I was actually working, but I felt very lost. This is where micromanagement can be really helpful. Walk new employees through processes, be deliberate, correct wrong moves, bad assumptions, and misunderstandings. See, when we throw out micromanagement and make the assumption that it is always a bad thing, we lose the opportunity to help fledgling employees to launch well. Part of the trick here is knowing how and when to pull back and let employees begin working on their own. This, unfortunately, is why micromanagement has a bad name. When leaders use it as their only tool, and who don't know how to, when to back down and let people learn and take the initiative and excel, that's the problem. I'll talk more about that idea in an upcoming episode, because there is an art to learning how and when to back away from an employee. That's an art, 
that every good leader needs to learn. So if you're one of those people who thinks micromanagement is always a bad thing, remember that you can use it. Just keep these principles in mind. It can be used when people need it. It can be used in a crisis, but not always and not in every crisis. And it can be used as a developmental tool. As a leader, you need to equip yourself with more than just a hammer. Your success depends on it. Ah, one more thing. If Great Ridge Station is helpful to you, please follow me on Twitter at LJ Helgerson. And please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. Ask them to subscribe. Give us a good recommendation, even a comment. Hey, our reach is now international with our first listeners in France. That was totally unexpected and much appreciated. So to my old friends here in North America and my new friends in France, merci beaucoup. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. As the train boards and rolls on to its next destination, we hope you found your time here helpful. Consider what you've learned and what strategies and practices you can implement right now. If you have leadership questions that you'd like us to address, we'd love to hear from you, and you can find the questions link on our show page. We can't answer everything, but we'll watch for themes and big-picture questions and get to as many as we can. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.